And now, a Breakthrough Basketball original podcast, The Jim Huber Show. After basketball, his dream is to become a rodeo clown. Jim Huber. Hey, everybody. Oh, it is hard work being this good. I was like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a, a big choo-choo train. We join the Jim Huber Show, already in progress. I did that with not having any type of medication. <laughs> As Craig Wynn says, the greatest defensive uh, summer coach of all time, Jim Hughes. Yeah, Craig, you pay him enough, he'll say, say all kind of good things, won't he? No, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody get him to hook up. I mean, I'm not making that up. I don't know how many guys are really trying to work it like you did, but there's, there's some truth to that statement. Cameron Belden on the line, and uh, Cameron is the son of legendary Jerry Mullins. You might talk to the listeners, Cameron, tell them a little bit about your dad and um, his coaching background and how you guys kind of how he developed the recruiting service and what you guys do now. Yeah, the recruiting service is called Mullen Sports Enterprises, and we have somewhere around 350 four-year schools that take our service. Probably most well known for what we do uh, at at the junior college level as far as scouting the players and sending out reports on those guys, but we do. Uh, you know, high school events, high school evaluations, and prep school. So we, we dabble in a little bit of everything. Service been around, I don't know the exact years, but 25-plus years. Jerry kind of just started on a whim. He was uh, He's actually in the Hall of Fame at Cowley County Community College and Barton County Community College in Kansas. Both of them, he's in, he's in their uh, Hall of Fame. And he just kind of decided to hang it up. Uh, at one point and was running around actually working for a, a collections agency. He was running around still getting calls from people he developed great relationships like Bobby Knight that he'd sent players when he was at Barton and it's kind of funny because it, it was he, he never intended to really um, he never sat down and said I'm going to start a scouting service but it just kind of came about and here we are you know over 25 years later we probably put on the <clears throat> top junior college events in the country and um, pretty proud to be a part of it. You mentioned Coach Knight. He he was always kind of showing up at those Jayhawk conference games, uh, checking out the players, the Juco players in Kansas. It was a wild west. There were some great players out there when your dad was coaching. Yeah, no question. It's a, it's a little different. The, the landscape has changed some. Um, you know, obviously with the prep schools, when my dad was coaching, it was either you qualified or you didn't and you were going to go junior college. Um, you know, also, even in the state, I mean, they had they had Division One players uh, that were Kansas kids galore in the state. And I, I think this MIAA has done a great job of getting getting in here and getting some of those kids straight out of high school where, you know, 15, 20 years ago, those guys all were going to uh, Kansas Jayhawk Junior Colleges to play and see if they could go figure out how to get them a D1 scholarship down the road. But with that being said, then there's also, you go look on verbal commits, there's 600 guys transferring D1s every year, and a lot of them are falling back to JUCO now because they don't want to sit out, you know, they don't want to spend a year sitting out, they want to play right away. So it's it's changed, you know, with maybe not so many 
great players coming in as non-qualifiers, but there's a lot of really good ones coming in for, you know, as second-year sophomores as D1 transfers. So, Why do you think so many kids are transferring? You know, you probably ask kids 15, 20 years ago who made their decision, you know, how did, how did they decide they were going to go to so-and-so university? And I'm guessing, you know, them and their parents were in charge of that decision pretty solely, maybe their high school coach a little bit. But now there's so many people involved, uh, all, all those parties there. But then, you know, you hear a lot about these handlers for these top players and, and maybe some of them, some coaches get involved. And there's just so many um, opinions. I think these kids kind of get pushed to some places and they're not, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of people get hung up on. And, you know, I'm part of a scouting service, so maybe I'm guilty of it too, but a lot of people get hung up on they want to go to the highest level that's recruiting them instead of maybe focusing on what is what is going to be the greatest fit for me as far as coaching style playing style i don't think i don't think as many people talk about it as should a lot of it's these coaches pushing these kids out as well they get them in there they sign them they figure out they're maybe not quite as good as they should be and instead of you know, taking on the responsibility of I'm gonna I'm gonna take this player and I'm gonna develop into what yeah. I want him to be. They just move him out, <clears throat> and it's really unfortunate because the NCAA, you know, in my in my line of work, they've had a rule that's been on the books for about 20 years, and they just now decided they were going to start enforcing it. Uh, we're not allowed to take these kids that are transferring to junior college from the Division One level. They don't allow. These kids, I guess they could play in it, but they would have a suspension coming back to them when they re-sign with the D1. They're not allowed to play in our events anymore, not just ours, but anybody, anybody's events that are trying to showcase uh, players and give them the opportunity to play in front of coaches in the summer. And I think, I think that's kind of a sore subject because, you know, if a kid leaves, that's one thing. But sometimes these kids are pushed out, and I think it's really unfortunate that those kids uh, aren't allowed to do – you know, what's ever in their power to to try to go get them another scholarship, which is the ultimate goal. I mean, if you're playing basketball at this level, obviously wanting to get it of a deal as you can get, and you know, the whole ride is the deal. So. Well, I think I think going back to that is like you talk about finding the right fit. What is the right fit for the player? And sometimes the player has got to sit down, write things down on paper. You know, look at the pros and cons, not have other people make the decisions for them that, like you said, handlers or people that might have another agenda in place right. not best for the kid. And then I go back to this, like you said, is if I'm a kid and I'm getting recruited, I'm asking, what's your player development program like? You know, what do you do? So I might right. be weak in these areas. Are they going to develop me? Because if they have a track record of developing individuals that go in there, become better, that's going to help you maybe improve, have success on the floor, on and off the floor and be able to stay there as well. I really do think a big part of it, because I even see, you know, like I said, I I get a C at, at the JUCO level. There's some of these coaches where I can tell it's like they're trying to direct their players to go to a great fit and the right level. And there's others where you're just shaking your head going, man, I don't. why did he let him, you know, it's not a fit, it's way too high. And some people just get hung up on wanting to say, I, you know, I went to this big school over here, but if playing time and, and and style of play and all that, you know, it really should be more important. And I think, Jim, me and you talked about this the other day. There's 15 different levels 
for a reason. You know, you got high major, mid major, low major, D2, NAIA. The earlier in the process, a parent really, you know, or coach or whoever's helping a kid make his decision can really start getting realistic about around the level a kid could go. I, I think you're going to see kids having a lot more success when they go off the But how, how does it, what would you say, Cameron, a kid then maybe goes to a high school coach or who do they go to and, and, and sit down with, whether it's a summer coach or whatever, and be like, you know, what level am I? Yeah, especially if they can ask it without being offended by it, because like I said, I don't. I think it, it comes with a negative connotation to say, "Well, I think you're a Division Two player, or I think you're an NAIA player." You know, and, and somebody might take offense to that. I, but the, the bad thing, like especially at the level I see, they'll have four low major offers early, and then they'll decide not to sign early because they don't want to hold out and see if they can get something higher. Well, here comes. You know, desperation just hired a new coach, mid major, and they're going to take the kid. And, and you know, in all reality, maybe it would have been better for that player to choose one of those schools that wanted him early and identified him as a kid they wanted real early on, and they were going to recruit him all year. You know, nine times nine times out of ten, I would say that's that's where the kid should have went to school. And a year later, they're probably regretting it, going, "Man, I should have went over there with those guys who." loved me and valued me and, and recruited me all year and really wanted me to be a part of their program. The recruiting process, like kids you hear all the time, like, oh, I'm getting recruited by Kansas or I'm getting recruited by Duke, and they maybe got a letter in the mail. Right. When is somebody actually being actively recruited and that school truly really is interested and wants that player? Oh, I, I think when you start I think when you start hearing from the head coach, and I just – I see it all the time. I mean, I talk to these kids, and I try to advise them, you know, or I'll talk to their JUCO coach, and -and so-and-so's head coach has been in there four times, you know, and here comes this school from a bigger level, and they're going to try to get involved late. You know, if if a head coach is that involved with it and he's out there seeing you, you got to seriously take a look at that program and think, hey, these guys want me bad. I'm going to be a valued player at this place if this head coach is spending – this much time but I, I you know letters um, and I remember being a kid I mean you get excited when you get a letter it doesn't matter where from I mean it's yeah. like oh hey they've, they've noticed me as far as I know and you may know this as well as me they're allowed to contact these guys as much as they want so <laughs> you're you're only truly getting recruited if these coaches are wearing you out mm-hmm. you know and they're contacting you all the time if a school doesn't have a relationship with you as far as I'm concerned they're not really recruiting you that's a good point. You know, because if I was an assistant at that level right now, and I identified the three or four kids, I mean, I don't want to know everything about them, yeah. and I'd be texting them all the time, and, hey, I, you know, we'd be touching base with them all the time. How do you tell kids to deal with the pressure of when, hey, the guy's where you want to go? They're sitting in the front row. You know, we put these showcases on all the time, and you're just you're nervous before because you don't want this guy – dominating the ball or you know and and the, th- the advice that i always give those guys before that is, hey, we're gonna have a bunch of coaches in here watching you and we'll have events where we have 300 coaches sitting there watching one game you know so it's crazy because the calls i get it's like they're trying to find out what's wrong with the kid or what he can't do you know it's 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 fairly apparent if a kid's a great shooter you already know that you know he can really shoot it or tremendous with the ball or he's a great passer great you know, they want to know, is he a leader? Is he a good kid? 
Well, the same thing applies when when a coach comes to see you. It's almost like he he's wanting to come see, you know, what your weaknesses are, and if that's going to be a deal breaker. And I tell these guys all the time, like just just be you. Go out there and showcase your abilities. If a player's realistic with himself, he knows his strengths, and he's not going to, you know, if he's a, if if his best tool is catch and shoot, well. Now all of a sudden, so and so coach is here to see you play, and you're just going to try to do everything off the bounce, you know. And and then this kid's fumbling around and and turning the ball over, instead of if he had just played extremely hard defensively, tried to rebound, do all those tough things, and just play within himself offensively, catch and shoot like he's, you know, the best part of his game. You're going to show a lot better that coach than try to prove him that you can do something that maybe you're not as good at. Coaches are there and they watch, like you know, like I said, what you do on the floor, but they're also watching your body language. Coaches come typically; they're going to a game specifically to see one or two guys, so they they really hone in on what does he look like coming on and off the floor. Is he pouting when he runs over to the bench when they sub him out? You know, how's he interacting with his teammates? How's he interacting? With his coach, does he is he slouched over on the bench, sitting there pouting because he's on the bench for a little while, or is he you know engaged and cheering for his team and talking to guys on the bench, listening to the coach? Especially in that case, you're there to see a specific kid. Those coaches are watching your every move. But when I get telephone calls from these coaches where they want more information, that's typically what they're asking me because usually by the time they're calling me and kind of want more information, they know. This kid can do A, B, and C. They're wanting to figure out what you know. What do you know about the kid? Is he coachable? Is he a good kid? What's the academic situation like? And kind of more uh, body language and off the floor. They're more interested in trying to figure out if he, that's a deal breaker than is the kid good enough or not. Yeah, the other thing you mentioned too is like you know how do you warm up? You know, kids like sometimes that ain't warm up hard going through the motions. I mean, college coaches are watching that. And the other thing is, I think truly important is how do you respond to officials? I see so many kids that do like the, oh, yeah. you know, palms up, they shrug oh. their shoulders. They're complaining why the play's going on about a call. Just yeah, play, no. man. Hand the balls to the officials. Go up, maybe pat, you know, on the side when it's a dead ball and go up to an official and talk to them in a respectable you know, man or Mr. So-and-so, if you know their name, hey, can you watch this? I know you got a tough job, but it seems like they're doing that. I mean, college coaches are watching everything. In high school, no matter what, we – I mean, our rule was we – we, the ball could be rolling clever there. We had to go grab it and hand it to the official. You know, there mm-hmm. wasn't – and that was, I didn't play that long ago. I mean, I graduated in 2000. But – and I think there's probably still coaches to this day that demand that out of their kid. I mean, I think a lot of it is – you know, so if if you're a parent, maybe you if if you don't have a coach that's demanding that, then it better be a rule for you at home. And if you see your kid, you know, not reacting to the officials in the right way, you better address it. You know, uh, because at the end of the day, whether the coach makes them, you know, act right on the floor, you you have to be the one to influence that and just say, hey, I don't care what the rest of your teammates are doing if they're allowed to do this and that, but you're not you're not going to be doing it. So let's dive into that as a going into your spring summer, and I know, you know, your junior before your senior year is a very important time of being recruited and being seen. What are you as a player and a parent looking for in a summer program? And I hear you say one is accountability from a coach, 
but what are they looking for that's going to be beneficial for them, you know, while they're playing from, you know, March into July? You know, if, if you're trying to make a, a decision on what summer team you can play for, obviously I think a big part of it is, and I don't know how you go about really figuring this out, but, but knowledge of what events they're going to be at where you know, you know, schools are going to be in attendance that they're not just running around to events where college coaches really aren't going to be in attendance. But more importantly, getting getting with a program that's not just going to roll the ball out, you know, and they're going to, in their practices, they're going to preach the right things as far as defense and they're going to teach offensive fundamentals. And, you know, obviously, obviously, um, It'd be nice to go to a summer basketball practice and see somebody in there doing skill development, and instead of just um, you know running plays and here you know this coach of this AAU team, all he cares about is maybe winning and putting in his system instead of getting the players working on their skill in that. And I and I've seen it. I mean, my very first job I ever took at, at Cali, the guy the guy I worked for Brian Jackson. Uh, he was he was as good as I've been around at player development, and we worked those guys so hard. And he and it wasn't just player development; it was their you know personal development. And he was almost almost obsessed with wanting to get them better players and better people. But when those kids left there, they were ready to move on to that next level. And it's a bit unfortunate because you know selfishly maybe it wasn't the right thing to do you know unfortunately like in this game of coaching those guys get paid to win and that's it no matter how you get it done go get the best players and then win but in you know when you really take a look back and now that it's 10 years ago i'm like man we did a heck of a lot more for those kids that year than maybe you do at some of these other programs where all you're doing is trying to get the best players and, and and win that way you're not really developing their game or their personality. You know, it's easier to do it the other way. And you may not get much personal benefit from that. Because like I said, we we had a five hundred season that year, but we had a, a couple of huge wins at the end of the year and we were really rolling and all the kids graduate and I mean we really preached and did the right things. You know what I mean? Now maybe maybe it wasn't good enough for all the powers that be but when you look back on it ten years later, I feel like we influenced those kids that we had on our team. Yeah, you know. So what? What are you in it for? Something I see too, Cameron, is that kids look in the stands to their parents, or maybe their workout guy, or lay whoever it is, and they're looking to them for answers or whatever's during the game. They got to stop that. But my question for you is, what are things that you see parents do that they should not do that hurts? the opportunities for their kids to get recruited or get offered a scholarship at a school? You definitely will see some overzealous parents uh, when you're out doing this deal that I'm involved in in, in so many games. Just and, and and you just shake your head because you know, Jim, I mean, you got officials that are yelling, you know, parents that are yelling at the officials or cussing in the stands or – even even like when you catch them up there, kind of bad mouthing the coach, yeah. like, and you know, like that that's going to influence your son or daughter at home, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're if you're sitting in the stands at the game, and you're negatively talking about the coach that he's he or she's playing for, and I mean, are we to believe that you're not, you know, having that same conversation at home with your wife or in front of your kid? You know, we're talking about 
15, 16, 17-year-old kids, that's going to influence it. Like, you know, you're now all of a sudden you're going to see it in your kid's demeanor where he thinks he knows more than the coach he's playing for. Well, they're even know? talking negatively about other players, too. Like they're talking, you, you'll see parents talking. They, oh, they're putting that kid in. That kid's not very good. Why is he getting the ball? What you know? You'll, yeah. you'll hear them talk like that. Guys recruiting players are going to see that too. I mean, they're looking for all that stuff, and it's you know they they see a, a parent that's overly involved in that way. There's so many players out there. You know, you're looking at A and B, and they're in a big they're in a big difference between this player or that player. If you know that one of them's parents are, you know. I don't know what word to use. I hate to use the word crazy, uh, but l- just for simple terms, um, you've seen them acting crazy in the stands. You're you're going to go with the other player, you know, because you're sitting there thinking, hey, did, did, this parent here might try to get a little too involved in my program. I don't want them looking over my shoulder and questioning me and, you know, bad-mouthing me in the stands because if they're doing it, they, you know, all of a sudden this kid's playing for you, well, they're going to be doing the same thing at your games. Yeah, it's a, they they can. You know, and, and, and like every time I see one of those, I'm like, I hope that kid goes to school a long ways away from. <laughs> I mean, every time it's like the first thing I think every time I'm like, I hope that kid goes about five states over. Yeah, because the only way they're going to get away from that is to like really get away. Mm-hmm. Well, the the other part we get a lot of questions on this, Cameron, is so say somebody you know is in high school and they're trying to get recruited. Do you suggest they? put together like what materials would they put together who would they send it to if they identify like you know what schools they send a particular type of coach how would they follow up with them to make sure they receive the information um trying to be aggressive and in getting themselves a scholarships you know what what would be the best way for them to go about that i think people spend a lot of money to go to these recruiting services uh, to kind of help peddle their kids and i don't know how seriously they're taken because you never really know, um, you know, how, how much that guy in the other line of the service really knows. When he's getting paid, to kind of help your kid get placed. I don't think it hurts, though, to send stuff out personally. You know, if you put together I – don't, I don't think they really want just highlight tapes. You know, it's better if you can send maybe that in a full game film. The academics is obviously very important. You know, if you put together a little package like that, but I wouldn't spend thousands of dollars doing it because I, you know, at the end of the day, I I think it's more vital to get on the best summer team you can get on and be seen by as many coaches in the summer to, to try to stand out to somebody because it's really hard to kind of influence influence a coach in that way. It's, uh, at at least in my experience, it's like these these coaches probably get a million emails like that. And I couldn't really tell you what would separate one from the other. I, I don't know how much they really look at that. I, I think most coaches are still in a position where they want to identify players that they're looking for in person at events. That's why that, that summer's gotten so so important, Jim. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's those. I hate to say it, but it's all. I mean, it's the most vital. You know, these guys don't – I even see it at my level. Like, we get hundreds of coaches come to our summer JUCO events. I run around to JUCO games all year. You know that. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see very many coaches out at these games, you know. Maybe some local guys here or there. But it used to be 
20 years ago, if there was a big-time game, there'd be 20 Division One coaches at it. Yeah, even this, Cameron, I, I tell them, send it out to schools you identify that maybe are your level and you're interested in. and Maybe yeah. Division Twos, NAIs, they don't have big staffs. And send yeah. them that in your yeah. spring-summer schedule and let them know about you so when they come out now, they maybe know who you are. They want to come take a peek of your life so you're creating more of an awareness. That's good advice because we – we do that in a way like the event that we're getting ready to put on here in Kansas City. And we keep we keep our smallest so we can kind of do that. We try to get the best teams in there. But we, we put out a preview every year, and we really dig in and try to get ACT and, uh, you know, ACT, SAT, GPAs, those kind of things. Because we'll, we'll get random schools from back east that are high academic. It wouldn't come otherwise if we didn't put that preview out. But they get that thing and – and see in advance, okay, we're going to have 10 kids there that have 30, 30s on their ACT. Well, they're going to come to our, you know, as opposed to trying to uh, go to one of these events and just be blind and, you know, you don't know what you're looking at. They know exactly that here's the 10 or 12 kids we got to come in there and see that got a 28 or higher on their on their test score. That, that's you know? why I, I tell parents, like if somebody get like a 23 or 24 on their ACT and they're like, ah, they're, they're done taking it, I'm like, take it again. Just keep taking and, yeah, it. And, yeah, and take classes play. to get your get that score up because now if you get to 27 you get to 28 or 30, You'd and like I said, $3,000. Yeah, and, and Troy and I are the same level of player, and I got a 29 wow. on ACT. Well, it's true. <laughs> well, I'm better. I'm better. But anyway, yeah, and he's a right. 21. You know how it is. They're going to want me. Um, the recruiting process for the potential Division Two and Division Three type player. What is the process for those compared to like a Division One? Really, when you look at it, the higher level, those guys identify those players early on. You see these high, high majors, you know, offering guys as freshmen and sophomores now. <clears throat> if D two and NAI and D three are really more your level, you're not going to really start hearing from those guys till. You know, right now, the summer going into your senior year. They don't start recruiting certain guys as sophomores and juniors in high school, very rarely. So it's more more being patient, understanding it's going to be probably into your senior year. It's going to be late. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be late. And yeah. I don't, I mean, we we have a ton of those type of schools that take our service. The more, the most valuable part of our service to them is right now. We, we kick out these availables issues. You know, for players that are already done and they're still looking for school, and if you had to, uh, you know, send out a questionnaire uh, to our D2 and NAI subscribers, I guarantee you most of them would say the available issues that they put out after the season's already over mm -hmm. is the most valuable part of their service that we get from them all year long, yeah. you know. So when did most of these D2 and NAIA kids end up signing? Do they sign before their senior high school season? Is it after, the summer after? When, when summer is right. that? A majority of the summer after. Um, you know, and most, just, because most of them are holding out to see what if comes. They little, if they can go a little higher. Right. You know, like, I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. And, um, so typically, typically the summer after. I mean, but I, you, you, hey, I'm seeing it more and more. I mean, especially these D twos around here, these MIAA's. You go and watch the school. There's there's a ton of them that are committed in the you know already in their senior years. Yeah. And so, and I think those kids are getting good advice because at the end of the day, you know, I mean, if you're not going to go to KU or Duke or Kentucky, um, 
I can I can say this, and I think I told Jim that same story. There's a lot of Division ones out there at the very bottom of the spectrum that have very low budgets, and pretty much all these really good D2s around here, they take our top service that comes with everything, and they pay their bill, you know, with the snap of a finger. And I don't, you know, it'd be very hard for a parent or kid to probably understand that, but, I mean, if, if I had to make a decision for one of my kids and knowing what I know, if they were getting some low major recruitment over here from this, you know, school that nobody's really ever heard of, or I got these D2s right here in my own backyard that I know are the real deal and they got great scholarships and programs and they got budgets, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that division two every time, mm-hmm. you know? Well, no, another question we received, and Troy's asked me this before, why would someone go to JUCO or prep? Sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes it's as far as prep, it just gives you one more year where you don't have to use any of your four years of college eligibility to go mature for another year and maybe get a little more recruitment. And there's something to be said. I mean, even guys that have qualified that maybe aren't getting the recruitment they want, you know, the ones that decide to go play at a junior college for one year, they end up getting them. I don't know why because – Maybe it's just because those coaches can see them at the collegiate level now, and and it's easier to vet that okay, yeah, they are good enough. We should have took them. Those 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 kids with they can leave a JUCO with three years to play are highly sought after at that level. I get calls from these four-year schools all the time, and they just want me to put a list of a list together of guys that are going to have three years. You know. Well, that's like you talk about prep. I see some kids that got go to prep. I mean, if prep. School really wants you. They're going to give you a scholarship, and they're going to really pursue yeah, no, you. Yeah, There's some kids that go to prep. Now the parents have the money. And they might pay twenty something thousand dollars, and they're yeah, they're going just, there, and they're they're not really getting anything from it because they're not going to play at a higher level. They're probably yeah. going to play at the same level they were recruited at. And to me, no that doubt. doesn't make sense for them. And I, I I joked with you about that, but that's what I said. If my if if the day comes and my son's senior year's ended and the only way for him to extend his career is uh, to go spend fifteen thousand dollars at some prep school. It's over. I think he. I think. I, I, I think it's Son, time. it's over. I think it's intramural time. Yeah. I mean, you see on all platforms because I remember a kid. You guys remember being a kid. You wanted. You wanted to date the, the best looking girl in school. What are my chances? Not good. You want to go and shake him and go like, hey, you might want to think about dating this girl over here. She really likes me. <laughs> so, so it's, you mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. Jim, thanks for having me. And hopefully it'll be advice that helps, you know, some parents out there. No, it will. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Jim Humor Podcast on the Breakthrough Basketball.